Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hardcore Penn State Football. Oh, man. Manny Diaz leaves to become the head coach at Duke. We talk about his departure and who Penn State will fill the void with. Penn State gets their first commit in the ever-elusive transfer portal. And the Peach Bowl. The Peachy people were in State College for a press conference today. Some notes coming from there as well. Sean showing off that shirt. Uh, make sure to like the video here on YouTube and subscribe to the channel, both on YouTube and if you're listening in podcast form. Thank you guys so much. Hardcore Penn State football. I'm Corey Listoki. With me, as always, the great Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Not too bad, Corey. Not too bad. Um, you know, I think we are all, um, you know, obviously the Manny Diaz news came down, and I think we were all like that relationship with the girl when you end on good terms, and then they get back with somebody up, they get with somebody else, and you're like. Oh yeah, I'm really happy for him. Oh yeah, it's it's really good. Mm. It's great. Mm. So I think that's where we're at right now. But in all honesty, very happy for Manny Diaz. And my Dolphins play tonight. So I'll go right from here to watching the fins. Oh, so you really were kind of pissed off at me for being late tonight. Nah, that's all right. I'll bit. be able to flip it on here. Um, okay. also I was at a wedding uh this past weekend too, which was fun. Yep. Well, hunting well, hunting season's over, so you don't have to worry about me leaving for hunting season anymore. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's done. And um, outdoorsman is back. Yeah, and but we will not be live on Wednesday. Um, we will be back the following Monday. The Monday show will be a heavy, heavy recruiting show. We kept teasing it. Monday, December eighteenth, will be a kind of we're going to talk about every recruit in the twenty twenty four class. Wednesday is the actual signing day, so we'll kind of like recap it if anything crazy happened at the end. I guess just preface by saying early signing day, um, but it's pretty much signing day, and uh, we'll recap kind of things there, and then we will be off again for Christmas, 
And we'll be back for the following Wednesday for a Peach Bowl preview, which just rolls off the tongue. So that's kind of the plan there. I want to. I'm probably gonna say this at least twice during the episode today. If you haven't done your bowl pick them yet, the link is on the YouTube description. It's on Twitter. Make sure to fill out your little bowl confidence pick thing. Venmo me ten dollars and have a chance to win. I don't remember who won last year. You know what? I, I, we talked about that before. I think Maddie Fresh may have won, but I'm not I sure. I am always terrible with the bowl games. Yeah, they're I hard. Think bowl games are the toughest thing to predict because it's. I mean, you, especially the off, you don't know who's playing. Yeah. yeah, like they're some teams are completely different, and the coaching yeah. staffs are different. And I just think they're impossible to predict these days. I agree. I agree. Uh, Lee on YouTube says, "Hey guys, are we going to get any number one wide receivers in the portal?" Kind of frustrating. Um, one ish. We're going to talk about the transfer <laughs> portal, but not specifically about a player that Penn State got at the wide receiver position, because they haven't got one at the wide receiver position yet. Uh, but welcome into the show, everybody. going to talk about Manny Diaz tonight. going to talk about the portal, transfer portal um, commit. going to talk about Riley Thompson, the punter, Peach Bowl Conference, Theo Johnson, and Chop Robinson, and then finish a little bit of recruiting. So that's the kind of game plan tonight. Um, yeah. Manny Diaz, Sean. Took the Duke head coaching job. I believe it was down to Manny Diaz, Jim Knowles, and Tony Gibson. Jim Knowles, defense coordinator at Ohio State, and and Gibson at NC State, whom we might talk about more in a second. Uh, but Manny Diaz gets a job. Saw he was already at a Duke basketball game the other night, which that didn't take any time. And, um, and he's gone. And I'm a little sad. Uh, I really, Sean, like talking about. Oh, oh, that's gonna be a problem. Fix that in a second. Um, talking about Manny Diaz leaving, did were you surprised by this? Do you think maybe he should have waited for a better gig? What What are your thoughts? I was a little surprised. Um, I think I told you guys before. I didn't think he would take this job. And he did. So my predictions aren't always spot on. But it's not as bad of a job as I think maybe even I gave it credit or um, I thought it was. Like, if you look at Duke before David Cutcliffe and after, I mean, they win seven or eight games semi-consistently. And the thing with the job like Duke is I think that's going to be their ceiling. I think there's there are certain places that you can only get that. But it's it's not like Vanderbilt. In the past, 20 years ago, yeah, you could say that it was like the Vanderbilt job. But it's not really like that. But I do think he probably could have held off for a better job. But you just don't know what goes into these decisions maybe manny wanted to go to warmer weather maybe it was as simple as that he and some maybe he just wanted to be the head guy uh maybe he really liked raleigh maybe he doesn't want a big high profile job like that that is possible and maybe he feels for himself that 
it was best for his career to go be a defensive coordinator for a couple of years after, you know, what happened at Miami. And then don't take a huge job and maybe kind of get his footing, see what happens at Duke. Maybe he really likes Duke and wants to stay there forever. Maybe he keeps his options open for a few years. So, yeah, I was sad to see him go, but, you know, we wish him nothing but the best that everything seems to be on good terms between him and Penn State's program. Uh, he said some very nice things about James Franklin on Twitter and vice versa. Uh, James Franklin with Manny. So, yeah, we're going to miss him. He's a great coach. The uh, best defense coordinator I've seen at Penn State. We've seen some good ones. So, we'll be yeah. nice. I think he has to do well at Duke from a head coaching perspective. And I think you, I think there is probably some stigma there that maybe some people weren't going to hire him until he had a track record of being successful as a head coach. Maybe he wasn't going to land that job because people already are kind of counting him out from maybe that top tier job. But I also think if, you know, you got to kind of bet on yourself there, there's a chance if he comes back for another year at Penn state, maybe he doesn't think the defense is going to be as good. But I, I think the more you hold out, the better job you can get. See what Venables was able to do when he landed the Oklahoma job. Uh, but going Manny Diaz's route is is also a fine way to do things. Prove yourself. The expectations, I know they just had a really good year, but the expectations aren't going to be incredibly high at Duke. They're always going to be behind basketball. So you, you kind of have a little bit more wiggle room there. Um, I would honestly say if it wasn't for, for, you know, Florida state's reemergence, the Duke job would be a great job because really with Clemson down, you don't have that many juggernauts that you're battling against. And, uh, we had, we don't yeah, know where Florida state's going to be. Yeah. Right. So I'll be interested to see how long he's there. I don't think that's his, his final destination. But I do think it's a a good landing spot in the sense of it's a good place for him to learn how to be a head coach. He never got a fair shot at Miami. Um, going to Duke will give him time as much as there is time nowadays in college football uh, and opportunities for him to grow as a head coach. And and honestly, you can't you can only do so much as a defensive coordinator as far as head coach growing. You sometimes you you got to just be in that position, and you gotta have to just figure it out. And sometimes I don't think maybe people realize that with James Franklin, that yeah, he he did some growing at Vanderbilt, but he very much was still learning and growing on the job as a head coach, even at Penn State. Yeah, I think the 2014 Northwestern game. I mean, and he hasn't had a game like that, like where. But that's the kind of stuff that that you learn. Um, I've heard from University of Miami fans, and I think they're right, that, you know, Manny Diaz was defense coordinator at Miami before he took the head coaching job. They said he should have taken the Temple job because that would have given him that opportunity that you alluded to to learn how to be a head coach. And we've seen Al Golden, uh, although didn't work out at Miami, but had success at Temple. Uh, And we saw Matt Rule, who was very successful at Temple and has been successful everywhere in college that he's ever been. So I kind of think Manny should have taken that Temple job when he was offered it. I think he, I think he accepted it. And then the Miami job opened back up 
And he ended up taking the Miami job before he ever coached at Temple. So that probably would have been best for his career. But you learn a lot to from failing. And people people have this thing against coaches who have failed before that, oh, well, we're not going to hire some retread. Well, I, I kind of think that's flawed logic. Like, I've seen, uh, think of all the great coaches that have been fired. Bill Belichick got fired. Pete Carroll was fired twice in the NFL, and then he went to USC. Like, guys, it, it doesn't mean your career's over if you, if you get fired. I think that's just a misconception people have. And then he went and coached under a really good coach, James Franklin, who had a great culture, has built a program, and he probably learned a ton from James Franklin. I'd, I'd be, you know, if he's a fool if he hasn't learned anything from James Franklin. I don't think Manny's, I, I think, I don't think Manny's a fool. So I think he learned a ton in the last two years. I think he learned a lot from Miami. I think he's going to do good things at Duke. And I'm truly excited for him because um, he, he, did, he did so much good here. And I, I think he's going to be successful wherever he goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious, Sean, like who he brings in as his offensive coordinator and um, like, does he plan on calling the defense? I don't know if they've come out with that information or not yet. I'm guessing he probably does. I think if I remember correctly, and I could be completely off base here, I think he had a defensive coordinator. It was either one or the other. Like when he was at Miami, I think he either started with the defensive coordinator and then after the first year he took over play calling. I think that's what happened because um, they weren't very good his first year. And I think he went back to calling the defense the second year. But either way, he did call the plays, I think, for one year and one year he didn't, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but even if you think about being the head coach, it's very hard, especially in college, to call the plays and be the head guy. Yeah. Bill O'Brien did it at Penn State with some success, but generally it's a hard thing to do. And I remind everybody in the O'Brien years, we won eight, four, and seven, and five. So if you're trying to, you know, if you have aspirations to win a conference title, it kind of puts you in a bind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk more about Penn State and what it means for Penn State. Obviously, no defensive coordinator. I don't believe Franklin has officially said who's going to be the interim defensive coordinator. Uh, for the Peach Bowl, Anthony Poindexter was the interim defensive coordinator when Brent Pry left for the Outback Bowl. So that's kind of who we kind of assume will be the interim, um, but we don't know that for sure yet. And then Penn State's got to find a uh, you know a permanent defensive coordinator, and Poindexter is definitely on that list. But there's other people out there, and Sean, I guess. Are, do you feel like they're going to stay internal or do you think they're going to go out there and get somebody? And I feel like maybe it's a little bit different than when they went and just got Andy Kudelnicki because we expected them to go external. We didn't really think Cider or how were necessarily ready for that. But Anthony Poindexter all but had the Virginia job in the bag. And so he's showing that kind of uh, what's the word ability to kind of climb in the coaching ranks already. And so you would think he would want that DC job if possible. Yeah, he's going to be under consideration. And I think he has to be. And I think 
this is a tougher one to call than the offense coordinator job. And the OC job, I went back and made sure we didn't say his name. Neither of us got the offensive coordinator right. But I had heard, hey, Kansas has a great offensive coordinator. So his name had been put out there by people like this one. And there have been names put out there, but it's just hard to get a read. And I think it's for I think a lot of it has to do with the with the reason you said we have a strong in-house candidate. And I just don't think and no disrespect to Ty Howell or Jay Wansider, I just don't think they were super strong in-house candidates. Uh, Poindexter has play calling experience. He did at UConn. Not much success, but I would remind you, UConn, uh, the players up there are not Penn State quality players. So it's a whole different deal. It was also like seven years ago the last time he called plays. So a lot has happened in that time. And I think he's a very talented coach. And I think he gives James Franklin a lot to think about. My hunch, though, is that they go outside. That's that's my hunch. And the reason I say that is supposedly Penn State has quite a bit of money to work with now that they didn't previously have. And we've seen James Franklin go in-house before with Brent Pry uh, after Bob Shoup and with Ricky Ronnie after Joe Moorhead. But that's before he got the 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 the. Uh, the pool of money for coordinators and position coaches. So I have a hunch he's going to go outside, but that's no guarantee. And I think if Dex blows him away in the interview, very good chance point Dexter gets the job. It's interesting because, you know, they eventually decided to, to choose Dion Barnes for defensive line, but they didn't just give it to him right away. And it sounds like they interviewed other people. And so I'm just curious if that's going to kind of go on those same lines, that timeline is going to be kind of the same there. And maybe we don't expect to see uh, a decision right off the bat. But also, Sean, we're, what, 10 days away from signing day? And you would kind of like to have that wrapped up before then just so they can recruit those guys a little bit uh, if they decide to go out of the house. So I I don't know. I think... I think Poindexter has a chance. I guess my concern or my question really is what kind of defense does James Franklin want to bring in? You saw how effective Manny Diaz was. There's really not that many people like Manny Diaz. There's one name that we can talk about in a second, but a lot of these guys, you know, have different styles and how effective Manny Diaz's style was. Do you really go away from that? couple things um i think there's a strong argument to be made that you don't because we had in my mind the best defense in the country this year so there's a good argument to be said just promote decks but how much of that has to do with manny being the guy being the maestro if you will like it's a whole different like you could say well we're just gonna run the same defense so we ran with manny Diaz. Okay. But like in game and preparation, that's really where Manny made his magic, knowing when to call blitzes, knowing what blitzes to call. Like that's what man made Manny Manny. And that's something that we really won't know that Dex has until the season starts. So I'm not doubting him or anything, but 
that's that's what Manny Diaz brings. Also, this. When you run a hyper-aggressive defense like Penn State's had the past couple of years, that puts a ton of pressure on your cornerbacks. And Penn State was very fortunate to have Joey Porter Jr. last season, who's been killing it with Steelers. Kalen King is going to be in the NFL. Johnny Dixon, who is going to be in the NFL. And Daquan Hardy, who I think is going to be in the NFL. So we've had all these studs at corner. So James Franklin might look at that and say, we might have to tweak things a little bit on defense. Um, so that that also factors in. So I don't think it's 100% necessary to run the same exact defense that we ran because, frankly, I don't think we could next year. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's that's a fair point. I mean, you kind of we talked a lot of this about uh, talk about this a lot with the offense and how you have to kind of use the guys you have uh, to the best of their abilities. But uh, yeah, I I think having the amount of athletes they possess at the defensive back position and obviously at the defensive end position, it made sense to give those guys a chance to be athletes on the outside and and let your guys feast. Uh, at the defensive end position. So I'd be curious there um, what they end up deciding, what kind of scheme they want. Obviously, I like Manny Diaz's version better than Brent Pry's version. Brent Pry had some good defenses, but it was it was literally fun to watch the defense, especially this year, more than the offense. And that's not always the case. Even like good defenses aren't necessarily fun to watch. Like Iowa's defense this year, like, yeah, they were good. But they weren't explosive. And yeah. that's, again, very different, you know, big difference in how Phil Parker runs his defense versus Manny Diaz runs his defense. Both effective, but it was literally fun to watch. And I, I enjoy watching Manny Diaz's style more. Um, everybody claims, claims that they have aggressive style, attacking defense. But Manny Diaz kind of put that to to a new level there. That That, to me, if someone decides that they have an attacking or an aggressive defense, that is now my expectation. No one else is allowed to use that phrasing unless it's like Manny Diaz's. Yeah, 100%. And I would always prefer an aggressive in-your-face defense and rather than a, you know, what Penn State has had for, I don't know, the first 40 years before Manny Diaz was here, uh, kind of a bend-but-don't-break style defense. And we've had fantastic defenses here. We wouldn't champion national championships with those style defenses but i would rather have a defense where you can get burned for 30 yards but then you go sack the quarterback and it's second and 16 and then the court that they have to go make a play incompletion all of a sudden it's third and 16 and you're able to rush the quarterback and you get a strip sack that's like the style defense that i like to watch and that um and i hope i hope we have it i hope we have that sort of defense now i won't be able to do everything we did with this with this defense that we had this past year but that's the kind of style i would like to see personally and really i think that's a style franklin's gonna go for maybe not quite as quite as aggressive as we were this year but we do have a ton of athletes and think of a guy like odafi Owe. I think he would be phenomenal in this defense. Yeah. I just think he was in the wrong Micah scheme. Parsons. And it's not um, Michael Parsons. I think he would be but even better than he was here. Uh, if we had 
but if if we had a defense like this, and you know, no shade on Pry or anything, I I really like Brent Pry, but it just they weren't exactly scheme fits. Yeah, yeah, and, but also you know, you have to play more of a Brent Pry style defense when you don't have necessarily as many athletes. Now, like yeah. Manny Diaz, like yes, Brent Pry had OA, he did have Micah Parsons, but their backups weren't necessarily to that same level that could do those same things. Manny Diaz has wave number one and then wave number two came in and they were able to do the same thing. So you can run that style. You can have those backups come in and perform at a similar level. Brent Pry really didn't have that. Uh, There's a pretty substantial drop off, especially early on uh, in his tenure at Penn State. And that limits you a little bit more. And look at the corners he was working with too. I mean, we had, Trent Gordon playing a lot of time and Tree Castro Fields. Like that's way different than uh Johnny first round and Kaylin King. You know, that's it's just they're entirely it's it's entirely different. It limits a little bit what how aggressive you could be for sure. Yeah. yeah and the safety play too. Like yeah. <laughs> the safety play in the last, I don't know, four years has really, really gone up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean just Marcus Allen, like a good player, but what he only he ended up with one turnover in his entire career at Penn State, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, and I everybody loves Marcus Allen, but he was very average in pass coverage. I mean, that's just the way it is. He was great in run support, but he, he was a limited player. Right. Okay, so who, based off of what you've just said, do you want Penn State to go after? And also, I guess who do you think they're going to go after? So a guy that's right at the top of my list, and as soon as I saw Manny was going, I really want to Joe Harazmiak. At uh, I definitely butchered the name. Uh, up at out at Rutgers, I just I love the way they play defense. I think they play a style that could fit our guys. And you know, coached under uh, he actually came from Minnesota, uh, where he was successful as well. And then this year with uh, Greg Schiano, I think he makes a lot of sense. Uh, obviously, Poindexter's a candidate. Um, a name that's a little off, uh, but I could I could see it. I wouldn't be not happy. I wouldn't be unhappy with is Tom Allen, a uh, guy that we've talked about a ton on here. Um, you know, he made a lot of um, chicken salad with some chicken poop, and. I think if you give him better ingredients, he might be able to make chicken marsala. So I can go over some of that right now. Yeah, me too. So I think if you give him the guys, he can make it work. And I think he'd be I think he'd be a good fit in this locker room. I think I could see him fitting in really well with these coaches and with the players. So uh, those are the three guys that really stick out to me. I know you've mentioned Gibson from NC State before. I think that's a good name too. So uh, I know uh, who's who's the guy from uh, Wisconsin who always who, Leonard. Yeah, he always but comes up. Is, but I don't think he's four. still at I Leonard, just, right? Is I think he's at Illinois now. Yeah, yeah, I think he is too. Uh, like I, I saw his name pop pop up a couple of times. He runs a three four. Like I just don't think Franklin wants to go to a three four seven no. defense. I just don't think it's his preferred style. And I don't really think we got the guys necessarily. No, like I do don't want to take off. I don't want to take. You know, first of all, and we don't even have four, a true nose tackle. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say. Yeah. 
you don't really have the guy to play. If you have a Vita Vea out there, okay. Sure. But you don't have that. And then again, linebacker depth is good, but not amazing. And do you put both Kobe King and Tyler Ellison out there at the mics? Yeah, that's... Do you then make Adisa Isaac play more in space? I I don't know what you do, and then you bump maybe Abdul Carter inside one. I don't know, but I don't like it. So, yeah, I just I don't think that like this defense is built to be like the guys that we have are built to be four three guys. So I can't see a three four guy coming in. Yeah, like you no, said, I, maybe if we had better, maybe if we had not better personnel, personnel that fit that, but I think it would be classic square in a circle, square. I always say that wrong. It's hard to say square, square peg in a round circle or yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, that you know what I mean. <laughs> yep, um, I wanted to mention two other guys and kind of get your thoughts on them. Blake Baker, defense coordinator at Missouri, was the GA with Manny Diaz at Texas, Louisiana Tech, and Miami. So runs a similar scheme. Missouri didn't have what I would call an amazing defense, but runs similar. If they want to go that route, if they want to keep it to, he'd be a power five defensive coordinator. Um, and you kind of keep what, at least parts of what Manny Diaz already had. Yeah, I'd have to go and look back and see what Missouri did. Um, but sure. Uh, I don't think it would be a bad hire. Uh, like you said, familiarity with the scheme. But at that point, Corey, wouldn't you just go with Dax? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess he has play calling experience over playing Dexter. And I know Dex was at UConn, but that was UConn and it was a long time ago. So he's coached in the SEC. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'd be unhappy with it. Uh, they were top 40 in total defense. I was just going to see if I can find just curious here. And they were number 12 in turnover margin. It's got a fun name. Double B. Blake Baker. Yeah, I I wanted to mention him. And then I actually have one more person. Then we're going to answer Robert Parker's question on YouTube. Uh, The other person I wanted to mention First of all, you mentioned Tom Allen. I just wanted to say, I don't know if I love that. I love him. I don't know if I love that, but I do love him. But the other person I wanted to mention was Zach Arnett, who's, I guess, the Mississippi State coach for a little bit, but not too much. Um, was the defensive coordinator before that at Mississippi State, was the defensive coordinator at San Diego State before that. Um, is there a fit there at all? Or is, have you heard anything about that? I, I've seen the name. I've seen the name come up. Uh, like you said, he was with uh, he was with Mississippi State. Was uh, with uh, who's the coach who passed away? Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. You know, he was his, his defense coordinator. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, a lot of it is is the fit and everything like that. But like you, but like you said, head coaching experience, and I think that's something that. James Franklin likes, and he's done well with. See, Joe Moore had him handy Diaz. I think he's comfortable having another guy who's, you know, been in the big seat before and having them there to to uh, 
you know bounce ideas off of so yeah i'd have to go and review how mississippi state did um but i know i know they weren't very good this year but um you know how he did with mike leach right right uh let's answer robert parker's question he asked do you think being a linebacker coach matters in decision seems to trend uh towards uh can't see that word for some reason he says matters oh okay so that was the end of the question do you think a linebacker coach matters in the decision and then it seems to trend seems to be the trend i'm sorry i can't read and then he says love the guy from nc state but not sure it's doable so uh, he loves Tony Gibson there. Sorry, Robert, I kind of butchered your question because I can't read at anything higher than a fifth grade level. Uh, linebacker coach, does that matter, Sean? Sure, of course. You know, every coach, you know, coaching matters immensely in college football. Um, now, could you make things work? Sure. Like, Stacy Collins is low-key the outside linebacker's coach, and it feels like that never gets talked about. So... Could we just promote him to be the linebackers coach? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, our buddy Mike had the idea of promoting Dax, make Dan Connor the linebackers coach, which isn't a bad idea. Dan Connor's here, for those of you who don't know. He's an analyst. So that could be something that I see happen. Um, but, uh, yeah. But like I said, you, you you could be a little flexible, I think, with that. I mean, we still don't know who our quarterbacks coaches. So, so there's that. You're always coaching. Coaching staffs tend to slide guys around and find roles for them. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. See, uh, David Corley, our former receivers coach. Right. Yeah, you said everything I wanted to say there. You mentioned Dan Connor. You mentioned that we still don't have a quarterbacks coach officially. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of things that kind of those nuances definitely need to be figured out. You have a lot of guys that have a lot of experience, so you, you can kind of play around a little bit with that and, and probably be okay. The Stacey Collins one is actually a pretty good idea, Sean. I like that a lot. Uh, Want to pause for just one second and say thank you to Mercury for grabbing Sean and I, our very own We Are Feeling Peachy shirts. I can show all of that. There we go. We're matching today. Uh, shout out to state media for getting these made for us and, uh, well, not just for us, but for you guys as well. So make sure to go grab your own shirt in the Mercury store and, uh, very comfortable. Just got it tonight, but you should definitely check it out. Probably the best thing that state media slash Mercury has done since acquiring us onto their, onto their, uh, company. That was the biggest thing, but yes. And um, yeah, I even like little football inside the peach. So it's a, it's a cool shirt. Um, definitely a fan. So and Penn State better win so I could wear it forever. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as good of a shirt they lose, I guess. And then it's, I just feel defeated. Robert yeah. Parker says the last two defense corners have specialized with linebackers. And I think that's usually the case as it is. I think you kind of want that because you want your quarterback of the defense to be the linebacker. And so you kind of want them to be taught by the guy whose philosophy it is. So that's why I think it usually makes as much, you know, the most sense to do it that way. 
but you know, we'll have to kind of wait and see there. Uh, just FYI, make sure you are still. I think only like DA Adam tweeted at Mercury or at Hardcore PSUFB about getting us our own merch. You guys have to do better than that. If you want us to have our own merch, you need to burn the place down as far as ammunition and yelling and screaming and shouting for hardcore PSUFB merch. So just blow them up, blow their DMs up, blow our DMs up. Every time we get a message or a DM or anything related to it, I send it over to management. First thing I do. Doesn't matter the time of the day, I just send it over to them. So just keep 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 that up. You gotta let the suits know. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh okay. Transfer portal time, Sean. Penn State lands an offensive tackle in the transfer portal. Uh, Three-star offensive tackle, Alan Heron. Two years of eligibility left. He's six foot five, three ten. He's a monster. I don't know if you watched any of the shorter film yet. He's from Shorter University, which, by the way, there's a shorter college. So make sure you just say Shorter University. Um, there's a shorter college and a shorter university. I don't know which one's actually shorter. And um, Justin Shorter. And then you have Justin Shorter. So just all sorts of shorters. Um, big dude. I mean, if you watch the film, he is a man amongst boys. Uh, he's actually not from, he's from College Park, Georgia, which is not near Maryland, if you were curious. Uh, it's just outside of Atlanta. It's actually right next to the Atlanta International Airport. Not too far from where I used to live. Not close, but not too far. Um, shout out to For the Bloggy, because For the Bloggy was tweeting at us when Penn State offered him, or maybe when, when he came up for a visit. For the Bloggy doesn't seem to be the biggest fan based off of the film that they have watched. But um, I guess my early indicators are are saying that this guy, they're hoping to be kind of a blank canvas as far as what what he's bringing in. We talk about this all the time. Offensive tackles are, are the hardest position probably to recruit just in general, but also coming out of the transfer portal. We've seen guys that are supposed to be surefire transfer portal additions for other teams, and it just not really turn out great for them. And so it's very hard to put a label on this as far as good or bad pickup, but it's it's an inspiring one. It's one that makes you feel good. Just because Penn State went out and got a guy that a lot of other people wanted, uh, he visited Texas Tech. Clemson had offered, so he had some he had some serious uh, interests across, you know, important Power Five schools, and Penn State was able to go get him. Now he has two years of eligibility. He also can still redshirt, so potentially three years still at Penn State. We I I think there's going to be more of a development here. I don't think he's a sure thing to fill in at one of the offensive tackle spots. I think he might be able to compete, but my my hunch is is that you're looking more at a 2025 real impact guy versus a 2024 real impact guy, Sean. That's generally my field too. Um, you know, I had mentioned actually a couple shows ago that you really don't want linemen from lower levels. And then we just got a lineman from a lower level. So I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say, oh, I'm thrilled and jumping for joy. Um, but am I going to give him a chance? Of course. You know, I, I, you have to. Um, obviously, the staff felt good enough in their evaluation that they could play here. So that's encouraging. 
Um, like Corey said, it's not like we're the only team that offered him. So that's also nice. And he was very good at his level. So I think you have to give him a chance. It's definitely some, uh, there's definitely size to work with. Uh, a guy like that, you just wonder about footwork, athleticism, and how that will translate at this level when you're not just bigger than everybody. And it's kind of like it, like you mentioned too. It's kind of like getting an offensive tackle out of high school. Like we have had so many offensive tackle busts at Penn State. Like we think we have a long list of quarterback busts. Like the the, the list of offensive line busts is like five times as long. <laughs> so you just you don't really know who's going to develop. And then we had a guy like John Urschel, who was a three star guy, a late add in the class, and he ends up being. Uh, an NFL player. So you don't know how he's going to develop. I agree with you. I think I, I'd be surprised if he saw the field in a huge way this year, but you never know. Um, and I, I probably prefer him to sit this year and redshirt uh, based on what I've seen. Uh, I would remind everybody we're still after uh Forget, I forget his first name. Uh, Bizantis from down at Texas A&M. But he also has a lot of teams after him. Uh, Ohio State's in the mix. Michigan, LSU. like These are teams that are very good. And they have a lot of money. It's from Jersey. So we have a shot. And that's the offensive tackle recruit if we're going to get that's going to play a lot this year. I guess my next kind of question off of that, Sean, is what does this say about how Penn State feels in the offensive line room as far as maybe the developmental guys at the offensive tackle position? Is this maybe, okay, we're not exactly sure how we feel about, you know, for a little bit there, Penn State was rolling potentially with four offensive tackles they felt good about because they thought maybe Landon Tangwall would be able to bounce outside if needed. you don't necessarily have any sort of confidence at this point for next year's offensive tackles because you're, you're most likely losing both of them. Uh, Drew Shelton, thankfully, has been promising, but you still don't really know quite yet. Uh, be interested, honestly, if, if maybe Shelton bounces back to right tackle versus left tackle. We don't know even what side he's going to play on yet. We he definitely felt more comfortable um at left tackle originally than right tackle, but we'll have to see there. Uh, but where does Penn State feel they're at with maybe the Burke Myers, the Javen Williams, the Chimney Onos of the world, where they do they want to bump some of those guys inside? Is 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 Ono not quite there yet? Just I, and Ono, it, kind of in a similar camp when, when they first got him, what almost a year ago. They all thought like he needed some time to develop. And so maybe he's just not quite there yet, which is fine. But you want a guy maybe still to be a Band-Aid fix for just next year, like the one you just mentioned, and then get a guy like Heron who can maybe help out in 2025. But does not, do you feel maybe that there's some question marks still looming in that offensive line room right now? Yeah, and I think there will be when really anytime you're dealing with freshman offensive linemen because you just don't know how they're going to develop. 
also, I think it says something about Caden Wallace. Caden Wallace could come back next year. I think he, if we're going after two offensive tackles in the portal, it's probably a good indication he's going to depart. And can't really blame him. He's been here uh, a long, long time now. So I can't really blame him for that. We actually, oh, if you haven't seen the Instagram and YouTube reel, check it out. We talk about Caden Wallace. It's on uh, the State Media PSU page. So uh, Caden Wallace actually, uh, gave us a nice little shout out on Instagram and in the comment section. So you might want to check that out. But yeah, I think uh, I think it's a good indication that, you know, we kind of penciled Olu in for the draft. Beta Walls probably goes too. So it's a combination of both. It doesn't surprise me that we're hitting offensive tackle. And yeah, I, I would really love to get the kid from Texas A&M. He is, that kid's a stud. He was a freshman All-American. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be kind of curious where they go there. Let's move away from offensive linemen. Uh, Lee started off the night right off the bat asking about, hey, what's up with wide receiver? Can we get the number one guy? Let me just preface this by saying, I think we said this last year, so probably repeat myself a little bit. Not a lot of number one guys just decide to go into the transfer portal. Like true surefire number one guys don't just disappear and 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 want to go somewhere else because they're the number one guy already. So, and maybe they were a number one guy at a smaller school, say Dante Cephas, but then you have to go and see if they're, you have to kind of predict whether or not they're going to be able to have that same product production at a higher level. And so I guess what I'm trying to say here is there's no sure thing when it comes to wide receiver recruiting when you're trying to find a number one guy. There's no sure thing about it. So you can look in the transfer portal. And honestly, Sean, maybe you feel better about this. I don't know how many great number one wide receivers are out there right now where you're like, yep, you need to 100% go get that guy because he's going to be a huge, like last year even, what, Keon Coleman, who went to Florida State. I can't remember his first name, but Mitchell, who left Georgia and went to Texas. I'm trying to think if there was what was worthy originally at UNC that went to Texas, or is he always at I, Texas? I don't know. He might have always been there, but there's just not that many. Obviously, Addison two years ago when he went to USC, but it, otherwise, like there's guys that contribute but don't make a huge big difference. I mean, think about like what Mitch Tinsley did two years ago, and that's probably like what your expectation should be for a transfer portal receiver. Like a guy like Mitch Tinsley, who brings a veteran presence who had shown true production and mass quantities at a previous school comes in, wins a couple 50, 50 balls and, you know, maybe puts up five touchdowns. That's probably what your expectation should be. There's not that many Keon Coleman's out there. Uh, the Keon Coleman apple tree only blossoms, you know, ever so often. Right now, no, I, I don't see any great wide receivers in the portal. Uh, believe me, I check. I think the number one guy, according to 24-7 sports, is a guy from Vanderbilt. So, I mean, if he's so good, why did he start his career at Vanderbilt? One has to imagine. Um, you know, and it's not that there are no good receivers in there. Uh, Jalen Lucas was just on campus. Uh, our old pal, Julian Fleming. 
He's been around campus as well. This is public knowledge. So I, I don't know for sure if he was saying Mr. Brightside at the first, but that is a Twitter rumor. So I don't know if it's true. Um, but there are good receivers out there. Uh, but is there a, like you mentioned, Keon Coleman, is there a Jamison Williams from a few years ago? Not that I see. Not that I see. But they take a guy like Fleming, who was behind all, all those good receivers at Ohio State. Maybe all he needs is to be the guy or uh, one of the top two guys. Maybe that's all he needs. So there are good receivers out there, but I agree with you. I don't see a game changer out there, which is unfortunate. Although I always like Jalen Lucas. Uh, I think both of these, both of the preview shows that we've had together, I talked about, I made it a point to talk about Jalen Lucas because he's such an explosive player. So I would love to bring him in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good one. Like you're, you're trying to find someone who can, in my opinion, compliment. And which is probably not what everybody wants to hear. Right. But my honest belief is if you bring in a guy like Jalen Lucas, who is a burner. And not that they don't already have one in Omari Evans, who I thought should get the ball more. But I, I really think you have guys that you can win with, in my opinion, just because you have a running game that is going to demand attention, in my opinion. So, and and my biggest knock on Mike Yersich was that he did not set up the pass with the run game. The the passing plays when they went play action did not look like the run game. And because it didn't look like it, nobody really bought on it. And nobody buys on it. You're not helping your receivers. I'm not, you know, Penn State doesn't have Ohio State's wide receivers that can go just win all the time. But they're not going to out of the transfer portal. Like, that's just never going to happen. You're never going to be able to have that level of talent. And there's, I like, other teams find ways to win and be explosive on offense offense without having Ohio State wide receivers. So I don't think putting it all on having to get a number one wide receiver is true when especially when you have two great running backs. You just need to find ways to scheme them open and utilize their strengths. And I think an Omari Evans and a Jalen Lucas, especially with the run game you have, can be very effective. I think Keandre Lambert Smith playing some more in the slot can be effective at times. I think Dante Cephas can be a very effective weapon for you. Um, hell, I think Malik McLean can be an effective weapon for you. I, I know people are are ready to move on, and like you got to get at least two wide receivers in a transfer portal. Look, the transfer portal has been open for a week now, Sean, and only Christian Driver have has entered. So, what does that say about how they feel and and where they you know where they are they're going to be? Maybe they decide to wait until the spring. I don't know, but. I, I'm not, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not terrified of only getting one wide receiver out of the transfer portal and that guy not necessarily being, well, first of all, I don't know how many studs are out there not being a stud. Like, yeah, do you go go, do you go get a Keon Coleman if he's there? Sure. But I think it's just more important that we utilize the guys we have correctly. I think that I don't think it's going to matter if you don't do that anyway. Or Kaden all those dose. 
let's make the most of the guys we have. And, you know, I, I think you have to bring a couple guys in. Like, I am just not impressed at all with this receiver room. And I have a feeling Keandre Lambert Smith, I, I, I think, I, I think he's going to go. It's just a gut feeling I have that he's going to uh, either go to the NFL or hit the portal. Just just a feeling. So, especially in that case, then I think you definitely need two. And I would get two anyway. Because if those receivers couldn't get on the field this year, like that that's very alarming to me. And maybe we could blame Yersich and maybe it was all him, maybe. But I'm just not... I, I don't think anybody really impressed me. That doesn't mean quit on them. Uh, I think a guy like Malik McLean, for example, yeah, he has a ton of talent. When you're tall and you can run, yeah, you can play. Um, I, I think we mentioned Zaid Blacknell last week. Zaid Blacknell was not a good route runner. Like, but what could he do? He could catch the ball, and he could run. And he, was, had, a pretty, and he had pretty good size. And if you could do that, a good offense coordinator has to be able to find a way to get you the ball. And Joe Moore had always found a, always found a way to get Zaid Blacknell the ball. And I think you have to do similar things with a guy like Malik McLean, with a guy like Dante Cephas, who do have ability, but they're just not the most polished guys in the world. And they do have shortcomings. So I think you got to do both. And um, I think a guy like Andy Nikki. When you look at what he had to work with at Kansas, it was much less than what we have at Penn State before we bring any transfers in. So, but at the same time, we're trying to win national championships. We're not trying to just go in four nine and three like a team like Kansas is. Right. Good point. And and Lee says can't convince me that all the issues were on uh, were on the offensive coordinator. Hundred percent agree. And that's not what I'm trying to say. Right. Like it, it's not all Mike Yurcich's fault. It was, you know, the Nick Singleton not finding the hole sometimes. It was sometimes the wide receivers not getting open consistently or running the right routes. It was Drew Aller not pulling the trigger sometimes. Um, all those things 100% played in, into it. And, and uh, But you don't make yourself easy on it when you don't run. Like, you, you just don't really cater to the strengths of the offense and that was the running game and the tight ends and we didn't see that nearly enough at times and we didn't see really anything i mean go back to the the ohio state game they didn't even go under center and we've talked about how going under center and running from under center and then going play action from under center and how effective that can be I think they only went under center once in Ohio State, and that was to run the trick play. And I think they only went under center a couple times against Indiana, but they never ran from under center against Indiana. They only ran the play-action pass. It's like, well, if you don't ever run it out of under center, then everyone knows it's coming. Like, I love that play-action pass, but you got to run it out of that sometimes, otherwise everybody knows it. So that that's not rocket science. But... um. I would personally like to see Julian Fleming come. Just to get back to the conversation. I would if you get Fleming and Lucas, I think that's pretty solid. I don't think that's like an A grade, 
but I, I think that's a solid B. And I think that would, would it settle Sean's nerves? Probably not. But I think, I think you would say, okay, with that, you could say, okay, that's not bad. Um, Andre Green was on campus too. Uh, transferred from North Carolina. I wanted to mention that. Um, yeah. And that was the guy Lee said, Lee, Lee was mad about that guy. He said he only had five catches in two years. He's not a fan. (laughs) Yeah. He's a guy we recruited and I really liked him when we were recruiting him a few years ago, but he just hasn't panned out at North Carolina. So I just kind of figured we already have Malik McLean here. That's, you know, has some talent, but he has, but he has to prove himself a bit. So we already have a guy like that here. Why are we bringing another guy like that in? Right. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sure sense to me. Yeah, uh, you want somebody to have some production. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I want some proven guys. Julian Fleming, I know he hasn't been what he was built to be at Ohio State, but like he's a good player. Like, look at his stats. Like, he, when they throw him the ball, he catches the ball, he gets open. So he does make somewhat the most of his opportunities and Jalen Lucas like he's a baller (laughs) I mean you can't teach speed and as long as you're not a guy like Devon Mumu Smith who trips over his own feet like if you could run you could play and I think that's what we have with a guy like Jalen Lucas and he's a proven commodity especially in the return game the return game is going to be very very exciting if we get Jalen Lucas yeah and again you're thinking you know I don't know. Like you feel good about Nick Singleton, but if you could maybe give him some rest and get someone else out there and sure. Pun returner has been a little bit of a adventure, sometimes good, sometimes bad. You feel maybe a little bit better there too. Um so just to recap a little bit, uh Penn State still probably needs a corner, still probably needs a defensive lineman, still probably needs at least one, maybe two wide receivers. And we think maybe one more offensive tackle. Is that will you kind of agree there? I do. I do. Yeah. I would like to see see an upgraded defense. See one defensive tackle and probably one corner. Uh, and then and then two and then I would prefer two receivers and another tackle. Yeah. Yeah, you named everything that I want. Plus, if we have room for a luxury guy like a Jay Sean Barnum. Um yeah, I think you always find room for a guy like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay, I wanted to go now to, and I really think we should have led with this, but probably other people wouldn't agree. Riley Thompson, the punter. Alex Paquetta, uh, former Penn State punter, went to the transfer portal at the beginning of last week. We hoped that that was because Riley Thompson was approved. For his uh, for extended eligibility, we thought maybe for an additional year, but boom, wowzer, we get two more years. So Riley Thompson, two more years of eligibility. Penn State doesn't necessarily need a punter for two more years. That's big time. One question mark that we had going into the off season answered, which is which is big time, Sean. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know the rules anymore <laughs> with eligibility and everything, because like you said, we were just happy to get him for one year and we get, get him for two. I know he's from um, the former land of Mr. Listoki, Australia. Um, 
And I think that had some role in it because there was a year where he was in college, but he could have been in high school or something crazy like that. Plus the COVID year factors in, and then we have two years. I don't, but point is we have a good punter for three, for two years. Also, as we alluded to a little bit at the time, it makes sense why Alex McKenna is gone. So it'll be nice to have uh, Mr. Thompson and his services back for two years. Right, right. No. Uh, it's amazing, right? Because it was a question mark going into the season. And now it seems like a huge win to have him back for two more years. So what I like about Thompson so much, too, is his ability to punt it both ways and to be effective kind of both ways. I think that makes him a little bit more of a weapon in that regard. Um, he had, what was that, the... What game would that have been? Was it the Rutgers game? I think it was the Rutgers game where he had the mat, like Penn State was backed up and he had that massive punt right before the end of the half. And I think Rutgers only ended up getting three points, but they, they started at the 40 yard line instead of, you know, maybe the 30 uh, Penn State's 30. So just little puns like that, that I'll remember. He, he's not like the most powerful punter in the world, but he's, he's fairly consistent. And um, he, he could, continue to develop across the entire season. I think he, he played his best football his last six games. He's good at knocking it off defenders, too, and causing muffs. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it's something he tends to do. And like you said, like I don't remember Shank at all this year, which was a personal concern, nothing against him, that I had because I was like, you know, what are we going to have here? And... um. You know, we, we're so accustomed to having good punting here, and he just continues to carry the torch. So it's definitely, a, it's definitely a benefit. And he was an asset in our biggest games this year. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, all right, so Peach Bowl press conference today, Penn State hosted the peach bowl people the peachy people if you will and pat Kraft, most importantly talked about wanting to get a second chick-fil-a in state college which sean i don't know how you feel about chick-fil-a but i'm a pretty big fan i haven't had haven't had it in state college since i moved back actually which uh i'm not sure why that's been the case but maybe i need to go get chick-fil-a at some point this week now uh if you come up here, I could get you some, and it'd be my pleasure. Be your pleasure. Uh, so we vouch for that, and um, most importantly, two things came out of this for me, Sean. It was a pretty bland press conference as far as like asking James Franklin questions. Two things up. Number one, Penn State has a chance to win and be the only team to win all New Year's Six bowls, which obviously they weren't all considered New Year's Six bowls at the time, um, but he has a chance to do that. Um, and or say he but they have a chance to do that and then patrick Kraft says that penn state is the best head head coach in football and he truly believes that sean you believe that no but we'll disagree <laughs> uh yeah uh sean do me a favor and, and tilt your camera down just a smidgen for me sure. uh what in your opinion came out of this that you were happy about or or what what stood out to you yeah um 
like you said, just I think any time that there's a press conference and there's no news, like no nothing that notable, it's something. I think it's um you know, something like what Kraft said, it kind of underscores the alignment that we have uh, from the, the head on down and how much of it is for the cameras and how much of it's real. I think, you know, it's a legitimate question, but I, I, I do know that Kraft and Franklin, they sat together on, on, on uh, the team plane uh, for every, every game, at least last season. I don't know if they still continue to do that. And it seems that Franklin has really gotten whatever he's wanted from uh, from Kraft. So, like you said, like I said, I don't think there was any real meaty news, but but yeah, um, it, I I I might have missed it. But did Franklin say anything about the defensive coordinator? He just said that you know they're looking into yeah, coach speak. There wasn't speak. much really. I figured that's there. what he gave us. Yeah. Yeah, which I, is which is normal for this. Yeah, there wasn't much there. Um, talked a little bit about Theo Johnson, which we're going to talk about in a second, but there there really wasn't a whole lot to the kind of the 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 football aspect of it. There's some things about like what it meant. Peach Bowl guy talked about how they've given away most like more money to charity than any other bowl, which I thought was kind of interesting and I didn't know. Um, talked. I think Penn State, if they win, end up they end up getting six million dollars from it or something like that, which is insane. Uh, but there was just some other little tidbits there. But uh, will any of it pay my tuition? Probably not. Probably not. You have to suck that one up. I think on your own. Um, unless you win the Peach Bowl, I guess. Maybe I could get on the team. I know With how to trip. Your chip blocking ability. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I could just I could show Katron and Nick Hunt. But... Okay. Maybe that'll be the compliment. You get roasted for that one. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk Theo Johnson, Chop Robinson. So it was announced that Chop Robinson is going to forego uh, the Peach Bowl and he's going to declare for the NFL draft. He's not playing in the Peach Bowl. Theo Johnson will also be heading to the NFL, but he will play in the Peach Bowl. Those are the only two announcements we've had so far, Sean. What are your thoughts on both of them? Yeah, Chop didn't surprise me much. Um, kind of, kind of saw it coming that you know when you have when you have a concussion mid year, as I suspect that he had not confirmed, it's probably a good idea not to play in a bowl game that isn't for when you're not competing for a national championship. So I understood that. Uh, and he is a great player for us. Uh, I'm, I'll never say a bad word about Chop Robinson. I mean, just great player for the two years that we have. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a guy with as much quickness off the edge. Him and Aaron Maven really have that for me. And he's even bigger than Aaron Maven was and better against the run than Aaron Maven was. So... He's got that quickness off the edge, and he's going to be really, really good pro. Um, and then Theo Johnson didn't surprise me that he's playing in the bowl game. I expected that he was uh, one of the guys that I was hoping would step up as a leader, and I think he did this season. So really happy with the way uh, 
with everything that I heard about um, him leading, I really think he's going to be one of those guys that play his best football when he's gone from Penn State. And it's really not his fault that he wasn't that he wasn't more productive here, but it's just kind of a read that I have on on him. But Happy's going to play in the in the bowl game. Uh, he's an awesome athlete. He's going to tear it up at the combine, and some teams are going to fall in love with him. And I think he's going to be a top three round pick. Yeah. I I agree with that hundred percent. I think top three rounds. Two he runs two you know he's two sixty he's gonna run probably a four or five. Yeah, you tend to get attention that way. Right. That's pretty impressive. Um. Anything else you want to say about Chop? Um, like I said, I mean, what uh, thirteen thirteen All American AP All American today that was just announced. Ogle's first team, so. I mean, he's gotten national recognition and deservedly so. And Corey and I were actually talking pre-show. Like, I'm surprised he wasn't a little higher, but I, I kind of forgot that he missed two games for us this year, really two and a half games. So in a way, it kind of made sense. And um, yeah, it's never going to say a bad word about him. There's a Will Levis pick six. And <laughs> and uh, yeah. Will Levis pick six, I thought. Um... He's better than Sean Clifford. Uh, anyway. Do you know how many picks Sean Clifford has in his NFL career? <laughs> Zero. Uh, I when when Chop Robinson is the offensive defense or offensive defensive board, defensive rookie of the year, and people are like, Why wasn't he better at Penn State? Or how did James Franklin not win a national championship with him? I want people to re- like remember that he did not play in the Ohio State game. Or he did for like half of a quarter. And Chap was freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like if if you watch the games, like he's not in that Odafe Owe category. No. Where you're like, oh, how wasn't he better? Like, yeah, that's a good question. But like Chap was really good here. And um Michigan had to stop throwing the ball because they couldn't block him. Right. Like that's how good he was. So he played. Like one of the things going into this year that I wanted to see with him was how's he going to play in the biggest games? Uh, because Dominate. in twenty twenty two, there was a bit of a drop off against Michigan and Ohio State. Not this year. Like he came to play really in both games, and he just happened to get hurt in the Ohio State game, unfortunately. Yeah. No. He um fastest twitch I've ever seen. Fastest yep. twitch I've ever seen. And. I don't even know if it's that close. He, I, I, I really think he could be a top ten pick. I, I think it would be, uh, a huge miss. You know, people talk kind of joke about the Giants and how they could have taken Mike Parsons. I, I think people are gonna be like, why, why did we not take Chop Robinson with our fourth round pick, our sixth round pick? You know, if he falls past top ten, I think somebody really should probably be fired. Yeah, I mean, he's another guy, though, that I think at the Combine Mm -hmm. put people away because he's very, very fast, and he's strong. Like, he, and I think he got bigger, too, this year. He seemed stronger. Good against Uh, the run. 
Yeah, yeah. he's better against he, and he got better against the run. So he improved from his sophomore season to his junior season. Right. So we also saw growth with him here. I think Dion Barnes did a fantastic job with him. And I mean, we talked Dion Barnes off all the time. I mean, I think he did an A plus job with his defensive line. And true, he had a lot of talent, but I felt like everybody got better. And that's the true mark of a good coach. Everybody yeah. improved, including your best players. Nobody right. plateaued. Yeah, you could say Chob Robinson had his best year. Adisa Isaac had his best year. Denai Dennis Sutton had his best year. Devon Ellis had his best year. Zane Durant had his best year. I mean, just off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Dry Fisher, like, yeah, like, he's, he did a great job. And I think we, I think we got a good one in Deion Barnes, which really, really encourages me. Okay, Sean, recruiting. Again, we're going to have a week from now our 2024 class recruiting show. We're going to talk about every single guy. But before then, any other things that you wanted to mention? I just had two. I wanted to mention that Martin, Hayes, Denmark, and Wosley all won their state championships, respectfully. So I wanted to mention that. So that's um, Denmark. Denmark and Wosley together, and then Hayes and Martin each individually won theirs. That's what four guys right there. And then just one random tidbit. I don't know if you know more on this or not, Sean, but running back Jabri Coleman, who was committed to Georgia, backed off his commit. Um, and he is, is he from Emotep? Top of my head? I I'm don't my... know. Yeah, I think down by Philly, though. So, yeah. Um, it's it's funny like this recruiting class feels like nothing has happened in the past four months like it's been a very and i mean this in all in all sincerity a very i mean this in all positivity i should say a very boring class in that we got everybody to commit in the summer and then just nothing happened and i think it's been awesome so there's no real drama. There's not a KV on keys in my mind that I'm seeing uh, that we're going to have to wait for, um, at least right now. Um, there might be a guy that comes up like Chim Diono, um, like a Vega Ioane, who comes up late. But they tend to be after the early signing day, and then we go, you know, we go and we focus on them. Um, so there could be a late bloomer here, here and there, but like I said, that's going to be something that comes later. Um, yeah, so right now it's, it's all quiet on the trail. Uh, I think Hayes actually beat a team from my neck of the woods, uh, Dallas in the state championship. So congratulations to him and the Al Quip Equips. I obviously want to save a lot of the recruiting for next episode but i'm just i sit here all the time and i'm just like it's it's funny to me because when quentin martin committed they're like oh he's the one that could potentially be a five-star when it's all said and done and nobody else but us was like really talking about how like much luke reynolds was going to rise we didn't think he was going to probably end up being a five-star but like who would have guessed that luke reynolds was going to be the five-star in this class <laughs> and martin something we touched on when we got him we really liked him as a receiver, and that's starting to gain some traction among 
people talking about that possibility that we could at least start him at receiver because, I mean, need help there. So he's he's a talented guy, very versatile. And, yeah, I mean, Luke Reynolds, um, I don't know. Well, Drew Aller, I was going to say, I don't know if I've ever seen a meteoric rise like like his so quickly, but uh, as a tight end, I don't think I ever have. So really cool that, you know, seeing him go, seeing him uh, skyrocket. And when when you have a guy like Theo Johnson going pro and you might be looking at Tyler Warren going pro, to still feel good about the tight ends you have when you right. have a Khalil Dinkins, when you have an Andrew Rapier, uh, Jerry Cross, even uh, with Luke Reynolds coming in, and Joey Schlafter there, you still feel really good about the tight end. Yeah. Um, one question here, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. How do you feel about the wide receivers right now? Josiah Brown, Peter Gonzalez, Sear Denmark. Potentially Quentin Martin. Um, we talked about how we think Peter Gonzalez is underrated, underrate, underrated, under the radar would fit too. Um, this year, Denmark actually technically, I think he was originally a four star. I think he's a three star now. But how do you feel about those three guys right now? Because in my opinion, it's kind of an underrated room, but you don't necessarily have again that that maybe top four, high four, low five-star guy that you're like still waiting for Penn State to land. And not that it's really mattered because they landed, a, say, a Justin Shorter, and that didn't really help things. So I guess what, what, what are your thoughts on those receivers right now? Yeah, they're good. They're good. Um, they're good prospects. And I'm not sure, you know, they're, they're, it's no – uh, it, it, it's no coincidence that none of them are five-star guys or high four-star guys, but they don't necessarily have to be. Chris Godwin wasn't, Jahan Dotson wasn't, Allen Robinson wasn't. So could they end up being high-end players? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I really like Brown's speed. Uh, I think speed is something that uh, we need a little bit more. I like the Gonzalez uh, I like his. I like. I like his size. Uh, to your Denmark, I think he's a very talented player. So, and like, and we already talked about. We already touched on Quentin Martin and his versatility. So we definitely got dudes there. I just wonder: are they dudes or are they dudes? You know? Yeah. Are no, they I'm guys that Gus Johnson's gonna say dude, or come up with a stupid nickname like Maserati Marv? Maserati Marv. Oh my god, um, you're gonna miss that, Sean. Although they uh, said he might get a 20 million deal and come back, I'll believe it when I see it. But yeah, <laughs> I have seen either. that mentioned. I'm not believing <laughs> that either. Um, yeah. We're done. We are. Do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. I think this was a productive show, and yeah, get your Peach Bowl merch. From Mercury. It's hard to do uh, it pulling on my headphones. But yeah. Also, if you're going to watch the Dolphins game after, Raheem Mostert, Mercury athlete. So keep that in mind. There you go. What a pull. Um, but you need to be rooting for Tyreek Hill to score me some points. I, I can certainly do that. I don't know if he's done anything yet. 
I think he had a catch. One catch, 19 yards. Yep. I need six and a half more points to win to make the playoffs in my one league. And the other guy's done. And I have Saquon, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle. So I should be able to do that. Yeah, those are the three most explosive guys playing tonight. So I think it'll be all right. And then the other one. Like Saquon, it's so weird because the Giants are so bad. Like there are times that he just doesn't do much because the Giants are so terrible. The other one, a little bit trickier. I have your kicker, Miami's kicker. I have Jalen Waddle, but he has A Train and Barkley. And I'm and I'm up five right now. Mm. Yeah. ESPN's ES I mean, giving me a thirty three percent chance. You know what Han Solo says, oh Tyree is down and holding his life. You know what Han Solo says, never tell me the odds. Right. <laughs> I that might have been me jinxing him right there. That might have been on me. It, it very well may have. Um, Should we sign out before you get pissed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> All right. Well, again, we'll be back next week. Get your pick, your bowl pick things in, Shauna. You haven't given me yours yet. Uh, um, and I w- want to say, I remember when I said I needed it by. I said it in the spreadsheet itself. I need it by. December 15th. So you only have four days. So that's Friday. Need them Friday. Okay. I think I could do that. So get those in. Email them at hardcorecfb at gmail.com. And uh, we'll get those going. All right. All right. Well, for Sean Kane, I'm Corey Listoke. You've been listening to Hardcore Penn State Football. Until next time, have a good night, everybody. Good night.